morning I would ask you to make your way in your Bibles to the uh, New Testament book of Deuteronomy, or excuse me, the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. If you're going to turn to Deuteronomy in the New Testament, you have a different Bible. Uh, So it's the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. And specifically, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter number 16. Deuteronomy chapter number 16. We're going to read uh, verses 18 through 20 in Deuteronomy chapter number 16. Those verses will form the basis for our text uh, message this morning. And notice here in Deuteronomy chapter number 16, we're going to begin reading in verse number 18. Judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. Thou shalt not rest judgment. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise, and pervert the words of the righteous. That which is altogether just shalt thou follow, that thou mayest live and inherit the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Here we are in 2024. This is our first Sunday here at Tabernacle Baptist Church, having been at uh, Faith Baptist Church last week for joint services. Uh, We are moving into 2024 and already in 2024 a weekend and I want us to focus on this topic this morning semper justicia always just let's pray father we thank you for your mercy and grace lord we thank you that you've seen us through another year here as a church family lord you've allowed us to uh experience all that you had for us in 2023 and here we are in 2024 and lord we know that that by definition a church is the members uh it is it's not the brick and the mortar of the building and lord so as we uh as members of tabernacle baptist church and uh attending these services lord lord help us to focus on what your will for our lives Uh, is here in 2024 and Lord certainly we think about this instruction and commandment that you gave Moses and Lord my heart is turned to this thought that we as your people are to always be just Lord help us as a church to think about this and as individuals to think about this and may it be frontlets on our eyes Lord as we desire to walk in a way pleasing in your sight We pray that you'd bless this year, both individually and corporately as a church. We pray that your will would be accomplished. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On the night of April 21st into the morning of April 22nd, 2016, eight people from the Rodin's family were brutally murdered in four different homes in Piketon, Ohio, located in Pike County. It's about 50 miles outside of Columbus, Ohio. These infamous murders became known as the Pike County Massacre. Four members of the Wagner family, and I won't go into all the details about the case, 
But four members of the Wagner family were subsequently arrested for the murders. And in 2022, the first defendant went on trial in Pike County. Painted on the wall directly behind the judge presiding over the trial, in large letters was the phrase, Semper Justicia. This is a Latin phrase. Semper, meaning always. Justicia, meaning just. Always just. Always doing what is right, both morally and legally. Always doing that which results in justice. Anyone in that courtroom gets the message. Those proceedings are to be always just. Semper justicia. Now, just as it serves as a reminder to those that are present in that courtroom, this should also get our attention. This phrase should govern our lives as the Lord's people. Semper justicia, always just. Our church theme for 2024 is Semper justicia, always just. In 2023, our church theme was striving for consistency. I didn't preach much on that topic throughout the year. You saw it in your bulletin every week, and my hope was that the Lord would work on you individually to be striving for consistency in every area of your lives, and and in particular, your spiritual life. Now, in our text verses, Deuteronomy chapter number 16, verses 18 through 20, God is giving Moses instruction on how to rule God's people and how Moses was to conduct himself. And it is clear that God is telling Moses to focus on semper justicia, to always be just. And as we embark on 2024, we should focus on this thought as well, both individually and corporately. Semper justicia, always just. That's my challenge to you this year. That's my challenge to myself in every area of our lives. And we'll talk more about that in the message. As we embark on 2024, we should be motivated to lead lives that are characterized by semper justicia, always just. And there are three motivations that I want to speak on this morning to help us focus on semper justicia, always just. Here are the three motivations. The first motivation. Semper justicia is exemplified by God Almighty. The second motivation. Semper justicia is expected in governmental authority. Our government is to be always just. 
And then thirdly, semper justicia is to be exercised as we go about our daily affairs. It is to mark and characterize who we are. Semper justicia, always just. Now let's look at this first motivation that I believe will help us focus on semper justicia, always just, in 2024. Semper justicia is exemplified by God Almighty. We are children of the Most High, the Almighty, are we not? It doesn't appear what we are going to be, but we behold, we now know that we are the children of God. John wrote that. And so, because we are children of the Most High, and we're talking about this topic, Semper Justicia, always just, we must begin any consideration of being just with God. We must begin with God. God was able to give Moses commandment and instruction in Deuteronomy chapter number 16. Why? Because God is all just. God is able to give commandment and instruction. A.A. Hodge, the old theologian, wrote, The absolute justice of God is the infinite moral perfection or universal righteousness of His own being. The perfection of righteousness is to choose the most righteously. And because God is all righteous and all holy, He's able to give commandments to us that we likewise should be always just. Now as we think about the fact that being always just is exemplified by God Almighty, we first of all think about this. It is the truth of His character. It is who He is. God is always just. It isn't that He does th that which is always just, which He certainly does. But He does that which is always just because of who He is, the truth of His character. He is always just. Now the attributes of God, we've studied the attributes of God in the services before. The attributes of God describe who He is. We refer to them as the characteristics of God. They describe His character. Your character is who you are. Your conduct is what you do. You do what you do because of who you are. You act in accordance with your character. God is completely righteous. There is none righteous here on this earth apart from the work of God, but God is completely righteous. And because He is completely righteous, He is completely just. In fact, God is just, lawful, right, and correct. His way is a way of fairness and equity based upon who He is. He is always just. Is this not what the Scriptures reveal as we read about God? And I say again, if your view and perception of God is not based upon the Holy Word of God, you're serving a false God. In other words, if the God that you serve is not described in Holy Scripture, you're serving another God. Our perception and view of who God is who the Almighty is, must be formed and based upon Scripture. Now, what does Scripture say 
about the justness of God. Well, here in this same book, in the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter number 32 and verse number 4, Moses wrote, He, and he's talking about the Almighty, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. And so God is able to give commandment and instruction to Moses about being semper justicia, always just, because God is always just. It's the truth of His character. Then we find the prophet Isaiah wrote about how that God is always just. And in Isaiah chapter number 45 and verse number 21, the Bible reads, Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. And so we can't, we can't begin to think about simper justicia and being always just without beginning with talking about the fact that simper justicia is exemplified by God Almighty he is always just. It's the truth of His character. It is who He is. Now, it is because it is who God Almighty is, it follows that it is who His dear Son, Jesus Christ, is. In fact, when Peter was preaching, and Peter was preaching to Jews about what they had done to the Lord Jesus Christ, we find him referring to Jesus Christ as the just one. In Acts chapter number 3 and verse number 14, Peter preaching, he preached, but she denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted to you. Beloved, this morning, you and I have the ability to, in 2024, both individually and corporately as a church, to be always just because our God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is always just. Listen to what Brother Spurgeon wrote about the fact that God is completely just. Spurgeon wrote, it is essential to the very being of God that He should be just. Fear not, then, the end of all your trials, but be just and fear not. God approves, and if men oppose, what matters it? In other words, God's got our back. God is completely just. He is entirely just. He must be just. It is the truth of His character. But the truth of His character secondly leads us to the testimony of His conduct. Semper justicia is exemplified by God Almighty. It is who He is. It's the truth of His character. And because it is who He is, we see the testimony of His conduct. It is what He always does. He is always just. If you were to think about this past week, in every area and facet of your lives, in your areas in your personal relationships with family and loved ones and friends, in your work relationships, in your spiritual relationships, in your business dealings, can you say that you were 100% of the time always just? You cannot. You cannot. Because that would be to say that you're without sin. And you're sinless. And you're not. You and I are sinners saved by the grace of God. But there is one who is always just. He's always just. Bildad the Shua, uh, uh Bildad the Shuite, is it Shuite? I can't remember. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Bildad, in, in the book of Job, uh, you, you remember Job had three great friends, and I say that uh, not being serious, but uh, Job had three great friends that would were trying to give him counsel and advice as to why he was experiencing the tribulations that he was. And uh, it, we find that Bildad and Elihu and, and uh, Zophar, uh, they, they spoke words that were true words, but they were misapplied, right? They were, they were not applied in the appropriate context. Well, Bildad spoke this truth about God and how that God is always just in Job chapter number 8 and verse number 3, number three where he said, posed this question, Doth God pervert judgment or doth the Almighty pervert justice? And his thought there is that the answer is obviously no. God always is right and just. And then Elihu in Job chapter 34 and verse number 12 brings this point home and he says, Yea, surely God will not do wickedly Neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. Now that's twice that we've heard the phrase pervert justice or pervert judgment. And you want to remember that because it's going to come into play later on in the message. And then Elihu again in chapter number 37 and verse 23, the Bible says, Touching the Almighty, we cannot find Him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. And so Elihu is giving testimony to the fact that this just God always does that which is just. And then the psalmist in Psalm 89 verse 14 writes, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. And so we're talking this morning, beginning and laying the foundation, these motivations that will serve to help us focus on this in 2024, semper justicia, always just. We begin laying the foundation showing that God Almighty exemplifies justice. He's always just. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We looked at the fact just a moment ago that He as well is referred to as just. He is the just. But you know everything that He did and everything that he does is always just. Remember, the Lord speaking gave testimony himself. In John chapter 5 and verse number 30, in John chapter 5 and verse number 30, the Lord said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. And so Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, is just. And He always does that which is just. Now that will help us in our daily lives when we go through trials and tribulations and we're battling and struggling in our spiritual walk. We know that Jesus always does that which is just. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We can count on Him. Now, when we think about the testimony of God's conduct, that He is always just, and He always does that which is just, this leads us to the conclusion that all of His judgments are always right. In other words, God doesn't do anything wrong. God doesn't make any mistakes. Now, think about this. If your perception of God is really that which is biblical, 
and you really grasp that all of his judgments are always right, will that not help you here on this earth? God doesn't make any mistakes. He's always right. And in fact, because he is always just, he must always judge righteously. Now, here's an amazing truth. We see this reality revealed to us in the first book of Scripture, right? Genesis chapter number 18, verse 25, when Abram is pleading with the Lord. In Genesis 18, verse 25, the Bible reads, That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the answer is obviously yes. And so we see this idea that because God is always just, He always does that which is just, and thus all of His judgments are always right. We see it revealed in the first book of Scripture. But how about this? We see it in the last book of Scripture. So the entirety of the Word of God focuses on the righteousness and the justness and the justice of God. In Revelation chapter 15 and verse number 3. Revelation 15 and verse number 3. The Bible reads, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. There's the beginning of the word, right? The song of Moses. Moses penned the first five books of Scripture. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. And the song of the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He's the Lamb that was was without spot and blemish and is perfect and was able to be offered as a sacrifice for our sins. He's the Lamb. Now listen. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. He's always just. And everything that he does is always just. All his judgments are right. Thomas Brooks, the old Puritan, wrote, God's judgments are always just. He never afflicts but in faithfulness. His will is the rule of justice. And therefore a gracious soul dares not cavil nor question his proceedings. He's always just. It's who He is. It's what He does. All His judgments are always right. (coughs) It is because of who He is. He judges righteously. Thus, all His commandments to men are just and right. Do you know that God will never tell you, either through His revealed will or His secret will, and you understand the difference, His revealed will is the Word of God. His secret will is that will which He has for your life that He will reveal to you as you study the Word of God and you pray and you apply the principles that are revealed in Holy Scripture. God didn't tell you who to marry in the Bible. But He told you principles as to how to choose who you should marry. And you get the idea, right? God will never tell you to do that which is unjust. He doesn't. He does not do that. All of His commandments to men are just and right. Did not the psalmist testify to this? In that great psalm, Psalm 119, where all 176 verses deal 
all but four verses of, of Psalm 119 deal with the commandments of God and the Word of God. And how about this? In Psalm 119, verse 128, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Have you arrived at that point in your life where you esteem all the precepts of God concerning all things to be right? Whatever it is that He tells you to do, that's right. And He's not going to tell you to do something that is not in accordance with His Word. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. And then Psalm 119, verse 137. Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. All of his commandments and judgments are upright. A.A. Hodge, I'll quote him again. It'll be the last time we quote him in the message today. He writes, God's revealed will, and what's that? It's the Holy Scriptures. God's revealed will is to us the absolute an ultimate rule of righteousness. Alike when he commands things in themselves indifferent and thus makes them right, as when he commands things in themselves essentially right because they are right. And so whatever it is that God commands, it's right. So, why do we look at that first before we move into the next two motivations for semper justicia, always just, because that's the foundation. If you're living a life that's pleasing in God's sight, it's got to be always just. Because God is always just. And He is just and right in everything that He does. And so, we see this first motivation that semper justicia is exemplified in the Lord God Almighty. But now we move to the second motivation. Semper justicia is expected in governmental authority. Now, what are we dealing with in verses 18 and 19 of our text, Deuteronomy chapter number 16? We're very clearly dealing with Moses appointing judges and rulers to handle governmental affairs in the land of Israel. When they go into the land to possess the land, this is what Moses is supposed to do. He's supposed to set up these rulers and judges who are going to uh, preside over governmental issues. You know what God does? God not only instructs Moses to appoint these judges and rulers, but He instructs Moses as to what their character and their conduct must be. And I say must be, in order for the land of Israel to prosper and to thrive. This is good fodder for us, is it not, in 2024? What's going to happen in 2024? We're going to elect a president. And I'm going to tell you what, if you're sitting there going, you know, I'm going to elect a president based upon the party that I'm a part of, regardless of what the person believes, you are wrong. If you say this, well, I'm going to elect a president because, you know, I like this particular way that he talks and he looks, or she talks and she looks, you're wrong. It is high time in our country that people got back to electing government officials that are righteous in the sight of God. And when I talk about righteous in the sight of God, I'm talking about people that will rule justly, where justice will prevail. Semper justicia is expected in governmental authority. A nation cannot and will not survive if that is not the case. Now listen, get mad at me if you want. It matters not to me. 
These are, these are areas, and I don't mean to be arrogant or prideful this morning, but these are areas where we must come together as a nation or we will fall. A house defi- divided cannot stand. And it would do us well this morning to say, you know what? Let us look and see what the Bible has to say about governmental authority because it is a source book of wisdom. I'm not talking this morning about making America a theocracy whereby every person must be a Christian. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what wisdom can we gain to ensure the thriving of our society. Well, here it is. This is sound, practical wisdom. Is there anybody that would dispute or that should dispute that governmental authority would meet the qualifications of what Moses describes that God told him in verses 18 and 19? Is there anything in there whereby you must pass some kind of a religious test to be a candidate? Do you have to be a Baptist to run for office? Of course not. There's nothing in there that equates to that. We're talking about sources of justice. Semper justicia, always just, always doing that which is morally and legally right and appropriate. And it begins, first of all, with just leaders. Just leaders. Look at verse 18. Judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee. In other words, in all of the land that God is giving you to inherit, you're supposed to appoint these judges. Right? He says, Judges and officers, judges and rulers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout thy tribes, that's the twelve tribes of Israel, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. Is there anybody in our country today in their right mind that would say, Oh, we don't want to hear that because we don't want rulers that will rule with just judgment? Well, how idiotic. Is there anybody that says, yeah, I want a corrupt ruler? I want a corrupt leader? Of course not. And so regardless of what your view is on Scripture or the Bible, it is sound wisdom for us as a nation. Now the word just here in verse number 18, where it says, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. The word just means justice, rightness, or righteousness. Is there anybody that wants to go into court? And not have a judge who's going to rule with justice and rightness and righteousness? No, you know what? I'd rather have my case heard before a corrupt judge. Nobody says that in their right mind. And so again, this idea that we would be always just, it it is expected in governmental authority that we have just leaders. Webster describes the word just this way. And we're going to come back to... Webster's definition in a moment as well and uh, when we get into the third motivation and we're talking about Webster's 1828 dictionary he wrote in a moral sense upright and honest having principles of rectitude or conforming exactly to the laws and to principles of rectitude in social conduct equitable in the distribution of justice as a just judge That's what Webster says this word just refers to. It is always that way in the Word of God. 
anybody who has any responsibility to lead in any capacity is supposed to be a person who is a morally right and equitable person. And how much more so as we elect somebody to uh, rule in governmental affairs. It's expected of them that they be semper justice, always just. In 2 Samuel 23, verse 23, 2 Samuel 23, verse 3, the Bible reads, The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. You know what our country needs? We need just leaders. We need leaders who will, who will as the Bible says in verse number 18, Judge the people with just judgment. Judge the people with righteous or morally uh, correct judgment. Go back to the founding of our nation. I'll read some quotes to you here as far as these principles go that you and I ought to be embracing. Again, I just quoted Webster in his 1828, but here's Noah Webster, a quote here. In selecting men for office, let principle be your guide. Regard not the particular sect or denomination of the candidate. Look to his character. When a citizen gives his suffrage to a man of known immorality, he abuses his trust. He sacrifices not only his own interest, but that of his neighbor. It betrays the interest of the country. Well, when did we depart from the fact that we ought to judge people by, the, by their character? Who do we have running for president in 2024? What are your choices? Are you kidding me? These are our choices? We ought to be praying to God that we would have just people running for office. That we'd get back to what this nation was supposed to be. John Witherspoon, who was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, and you go back and you look at what happened to those 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. He was the first president of Princeton University. He wrote, those who wish well to the state ought to choose to places of trust men of inward principle justified by exemplary conversation or conduct. And the people in general ought to have regard to the moral character of those whom they invest with authority either in the legislative, executive, or judicial branches. Is this not what we should be striving for? I mean, you've got... I'm going to get real specific today. you got a Secretary of State in Maine who unilaterally decides to remove somebody from the ballot for the presidency. And you say, well, I thought that was good because I don't like Trump. Well, you better be careful what you wish for. The 14th Amendment that she relies on to remove him from the ballot also guarantees due process. And before you're going to call somebody an insurrectionist according to the 14th Amendment, you better charge them with that, you better try them with that crime, and you better convict them. People talk about things that they have no idea about. Oh, he's an insurrectionist. I don't care what your thought is. We're talking about the Constitution of the United States. Has the man been legally charged with insurrection? He has not. Has he been convicted in a court of law? He has not. Therefore, you have no right to invoke the 14th Amendment. You are violating his due process. And you know what? I would say that about Joe Biden as much as I would say it about Donald Trump. 
I would say it about my worst enemy as much as I would say it about Donald Trump. We're talking about being always just, not just applying it as we see fit. Folks, our nation is in decline, and we are in real trouble. It's high time we start taking these matters seriously. Are you kidding me? One woman is going to make that unilateral decision? Thank God that the Supreme Court, I expect, will overrule this because it is unconstitutional. Again, whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden, it doesn't matter. We ought to have people ruling in governmental affairs that are semper justicia, always just. Samuel Adams, the patriarch, wrote, Nothing is more essential to the establishment of manners in a state than that all persons employed in places of power and trust be men of unexceptional characters. The public cannot be too curious concerning the character of public men. Can you imagine if we were going to take all the members of the House, I'm talking about it at a national level, right, the federal government, take all the members of the House and all 100 senators, and all the people that are employed in the executive branch, starting with the president, then down through the vice president, down through. Can you imagine if we applied that test? Let's talk about your character. What would we be left with? Who would be left? And I'm not speaking from a partisan view this morning. I'm not talking about Democrat or Republican. I'm talking about both. And by the way, we might as well throw independent in as well because Bernie Sanders technically is an independent okay they're corrupt we have no just people I say no I'm painting with a broad stroke but you get what I'm saying it is expected of governmental authority that they be semper justicia always just this means that we need just rulers just leaders who secondly craft just laws not wicked, ungodly laws, but just laws. Laws that are in conformity with the United States Constitution, but laws that are in, in conformity with what is morally, ethically, and legally right. It amazes me how some of our lawmakers, and I'll just throw in the, the, uh, the, the members of the Colorado Supreme Court, how you can read into something in the Constitution and it's not there. We're talking about laws that are just laws. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter number 13. Notice in Romans chapter number 13. I know that you know these passages, these verses well in this passage, but I think it'd do well for us to go back and look at what is just and right and proper in the sight of God. In Romans 13, notice verse number 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. This is talking about governmental authority. I am not anti-government. I'm not an anarchist. We need government lest chaos ensue. Right? Notice verse 2. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Do you understand what government is supposed to do? Not enact unrighteous, wicked laws, but laws that are morally and ethically correct. 
laws that, yes, comport with the Word of God. And I'm not talking about, you know, making a, making a law that you have to go to church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the moral law of God. The things that God says are right, are right. And the things that God says are wrong, are wrong. Notice verse number 3, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth well. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Governmental authority is referred to as the minister of God. It doesn't mean that they're a priest or a preacher or anything that, like that. It means that they're carrying out a duty that God has appointed should be. I'm reading a textbook at work when I have time. On uh, Don't laugh at me. It's called Practical Homicide Investigation. I have to because of my job. And the guy that wrote the textbook says this. It's a secular textbook. And he says he always told people... Uh, and by the way, I go through the credentials. This guy's an amazing homicide detective, right, from New York City. And, and he, he, go, he says, whenever I train somebody, I always said this. Remember, we're doing God's work. You ever think about that? We're doing God's work. God instituted government. God said that we should be a nation of laws, of what is right and what is wrong. Who enforces those laws? They are the minister of God. They are carrying out what God has said is right and proper for a just society. We ought to have just leaders who enact just laws. And when they don't enact just laws, you, and, you know what you and I are forced to do if we're going to be semper justicia, always just. We, we must do what uh, Peter wrote about and, or uh, what Luke wrote about what Peter and the other apostles said in Acts chapter 5 and verse number 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God. We ought to have just leaders who enact just laws. And thirdly, enforce just litigation. Just litigation. What is litigation? It is the conduct of the law. When you're involved in litigation, you're talking about the administration of the law. When you sue your neighbor because your neighbor cut down a tree that had been in your yard for a hundred years, and you sue your neighbor and you go to court, you're involved in the administration of justice. You're going to litigation. You're going to have an attorney who's going to litigate your case for you. So we ought to have just leaders who enact just laws, who enforce just litigation. Is this not what God told Moses he was supposed to focus on in verse number 19 of our text? Look at verse number 19 of Deuteronomy 16. Thou shalt not rest judgment. Now that word rest there, you know what it means? Pervert. I told you earlier when we read some verse, I read you some verses from the book of Job where both Bildad and Elihu posed these questions. Can God pervert judgment? Of course not. God cannot pervert justice. He doesn't wrest judgment away from what is right. That's what's being spoken of here. We're supposed to have just leaders 
What's their conduct supposed to be like? They don't pervert judgment. Thou shalt not respect persons. In other words, this person doesn't get a sentence that is different than this person because this person's attorney used to be a judge. Like that would ever happen. Ha! I'm about to get disbarred. Okay? I'm about to get disbarred. Then I'll be a full-time pastor again. There's no respect of persons. Neither take a gift. There's no bribery. Oh, you know what? This person contributed X amount of dollars to my campaign. And you know judges here in St. Clair County and in other places, they're political candidates and they have to run for office. And guess how they run for office? Defense attorneys fund them. Look it up. Tell, tell, you, you study it out and you research and you tell me if I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. There was an article in the Madison County paper last year about the amount of money that defense attorneys had given judges that were running for uh, uh, election or running for retainment here in St. Clair County. It's amazing. Huh. wonder why that judge ruled that way. That's crazy. That's incredible. He says, Neither take a gift, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. So we ought to have just leaders who enact just laws who enforce just litigation. They're not to pervert justice. The word justice means what is right morally or legally. There are two types of justice. We're going to talk about one type when we look at the third motivation, but the first type is this. It's called distributive justice. Distributive justice. Distributive justice. I'm going to give you a definition. Distributive justice belongs to magistrates or rulers and consists in distributing to every man that right or equity which the laws and the principles of equity require or in deciding controversies according to the laws and to principles of equity. That's distributive justice. In our leaders, in our judges, in our governmental authority, there must be distributive justice. These men that Moses was to appoint as judges and rulers or officers, you know what they were supposed to do? They were supposed to judge righteous judgment. They were not to pervert judgment. It was not supposed to matter whether the person was white, black, red, green, yellow. It didn't matter. It wasn't supposed to be, justice wasn't supposed to be meted out based upon how much status or money the person had. All are equal in the eyes of God. And they're supposed to distribute just judgment. Joseph Addison was an English politician who lived from 1672 to 1719. He wrote this. that He's talking about perverting justice. He says that it's not susceptible to bribes. Justice discards party, friendship, kindred, and is always therefore represented as blind. I want you to take your bulletin. And in your bulletin, you'll notice with the church theme, Semper Justicia, always just. You see, you have next to that a graphic representation of Lady Justice. Lady Justice. Originally, originally Lady Justice came about and was described and named Justicia. That was her name, Justicia. She was named the goddess of justice in Roman mythology. And you'll notice that 
Justicia, or Lady Justice, has what? A sword to represent the power of the government. She has scales that says that justice and judgment is to be equal, fairly applied, and then what else? A blindfold. A blindfold to indicate that it doesn't matter the person or the parties that are at bar. Justice is justice regardless of who it is. Oh, if we had leaders today that would emulate biblical leaders. We think about David who was a man after God's own heart and we know all the failures and sins and shortcomings in David's life and yet the Bible says this about David in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 15 and David reigned over all Israel and David executed judgment and justice unto all his people. Nobody could come to David and say, David, you know what, I'm, I'm the cousin of your, of your uncle and therefore I'm family and so I should get better justice. Or David, one of, my, one of my family members is a priest serving in the temple worship or the tabernacle worship and I should get special favors. No, David executed judgment and justice unto all his people. This is what's supposed to be characterized and practiced and emulated and exercised in our nation today. George Washington on April 4th, 1783 wrote this. We have now a national character to establish and it is of the utmost importance to stamp favorable impressions upon it. Let justice be then one of its characteristics and gratitude another. We still in some places today can stand and put our hand over our heart and say the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of Allegiance. Do you know who wrote the Pledge of Allegiance? A Baptist minister by the name of Francis Bellamy. In 1892, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and what? Justice. My heart weeps for this great nation. Justice isn't any longer for all. It's whoever's got power. And whoever has the ability to mete out what they refer to as justice. It is repugnant in the sight of God. It ought to be repugnant in our sight. The second motivation that ought to drive us in 2024 to focus on being semper justicia, always just, is that it is expected of governmental authority and you know you have a right to vote. Do not be an uneducated voter. Do your homework. Vote for the person that most closely exemplifies the biblical principles of character that God would support. And vote for that person. Don't look for the D or the R or the I or whatever other party you support. There's a third motivation. This gets really, really close to home. This third motivation for Semper Justicia in 2024 is that it is to be exercised as we go about our daily affairs. We are supposed to be always just. Look at what God commands Moses in verse number 20 of our text. Look at verse number 20. 
that which is altogether just shalt thou follow. This is God giving instruction and commandment to Moses that that which is altogether just shalt thou follow. In other words, semper justicia. Be always just. And by the way, the words thou uh, shalt thou follow, it means to run after, to make haste. In 2024, we ought to run after and make haste for semper justicia, that we always be just. Of all the people on earth, God's people should be just. We should be morally right. We should be righteous in our dealings with others. We ought to exercise semper justicia as we go about our daily affairs. And why I chose to word it that way is that it should permeate every area of our lives. When we come into the Lord's house on the first day of the week, we should be thinking semper justicia, always just. When we go home and we uh, conduct ourselves in the, the comforts of our own home, we should be thinking about semper justicia, always just. When we get up and we go to the store, we ought to be thinking about semper justicia, always just. When we get up and we go to work in the morning, we ought to be thinking about on our job being semper justicia, always just. Can you imagine what kind of a nation we would be if we really embraced semper justicia? Well, in order to do that, we must comprehend what it is to be just in our daily lives. We can be, we can be very general and broad, right? Hey, you know, I want to be morally and equitably right. What, let's bring it down. What, what are we talking about? What is it to be... Uh, just always in our daily lives. Well, again, Webster, here's the second part of the definition that Webster gives us from 1828, his 1828 dictionary. I didn't read this earlier, but here's what he says. He says that in an evangelical sense, it is to be righteous, religious, influenced by regard to the laws of God or living in exact conformity to the divine will. You know what it is to be always just? It is to know God's Word and comply with God's Word. And when you comply with God's Word, does God's Word not touch every area of our lives and our dealings with our neighbors and our dealings with our family relationships and our church dealings in our conduct on the job, how to raise our children? It, it touches every area of our lives. We mentioned distributive justice earlier. I said there was a second type of justice. The second type of justice is referred to as commutative justice. There's distributive justice that applies to governmental authority. There's commutative justice that applies to each of us. Commutative justice consists in fair dealings and trade and mutual intercourse between man and man. In other words, with our fellow man, we are to always be just. We are to be semper justicia. So practically speaking, we could say that semper justicia for us is honestly treating people as they deserve to be treated based on what God's word declares as right. What God tells us to do, we ought to do. That is to be always just. That is to be always right. Now, after we comprehend what it is to be just in our daily lives, we ought to see, secondly, that God commands us to be semper justicia. It isn't optional for us. He commands us 
that we be simple justicia. He commands us, first of all, through his precepts. Through his precepts. You know this verse, and, uh, it, and, and you can turn there if you like. I'm going to read it quickly, but Micah chapter 6 and verse number 8. Micah chapter 6 and verse number 8. By the way, this is a great life verse. Okay, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? What does God command us? What does God require of us? Here it is. But to do justly. But to do justly. And to love mercy. And to walk humbly with thy God. God commands us through his precepts to be semper justicia, to be always just. The book of Proverbs is a very practical book, is it not? And we learn in the book of Proverbs so much about how we are to live our daily lives and conduct ourselves in our daily lives. And in Proverbs 11, verse number 1, we read this, A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Do you know that in the days of the Bible when they would trade merchandise, you know, they would weigh things and it would not be uncommon for somebody to try to uh, put something in the, uh, in the way to rock in the, in the, in the uh, uh, item that they were trying to sell. They're way heavier and the person had to pay them more. Well, that's dishonest. We're not supposed to be people that are dishonest. You go to the store and you see an item that's mismarked and you say, oh man, I'm gonna, I got a great deal today. You didn't get a great deal. You stole from the store. You say, well, preacher, that, they marked it that way. Come on, you know what is right. You're going you're gonna to take something that would ordinarily cost you $150 and you're going to try to force the store to t- sell it to you for $10. It's not a just wait. Now we're getting kind of close to home, aren't we? You, the, the clerk gives you $10 too much. Well, who goes back and gives $10 back? I do. Always just. Do we do that today in our society? Oh, man, I got a great deal. No, you cheated them. They made a mistake and you capitalized on it. We're to be always just. It's commanded of God through His precepts. It is taught, as I just read in the Proverbs. It's taught in the Proverbs. What is the purpose of the book of Proverbs? I preached an entire message on this last year. What is the purpose of the book of Proverbs? Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 3. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. That's why the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon, by the inspiration of God, that we learn to be wise people who practice justice and judgment and equity. And you know what else? It is pleasing to God. It is pleasing to God when you demonstrate that you are semper justicia, always just. This is one of my favorite verses, and if I could say that I have a life verse, this would be one of them. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 3. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. To do justice, not to be just, but to do justice and judgment. Pray for me. I have these cases that just break my heart. I mentioned, I mentioned praying for Malcolm Fraser Sr. on Wednesday night. What a man. Son brutally gunned down. We're set for trial on May 28th. 
I don't know what's going to happen prior to that, but I know this. If i got to go to trial, I'm going to fight with every fiber of my being to get justice for Malcolm Fraser Jr., who was brutally murdered, and for Malcolm Fraser Sr. Now, who are they? This, they just, he's St. Louis. These are people that deserve justice. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. May God help us to be semper justicia. And then we see that there's a prohibition against being unjust. God judges unjustness. The psalmist, I read a a, a verse out of Psalm 89 earlier, but Psalm 89 verses 2 and 3, the question is posed, how long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? This is perverting judgment and justice. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Say la. In other words, think on that. Meditate about that. And then the commandment is given in verse number 3 of Psalm 89. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. That's simple justicia. Always just. We are to exercise semper justicia in going about our daily affairs. We must comprehend what it is to be just in our daily lives. It's commanded that we be just. And then lastly, I'll leave it with this. We as members of Tabernacle Baptist Church, we committed. We committed to be just. Each of us, prior to entering into membership of Tabernacle Baptist Church, read and studied the church covenant. In fact, I preached and taught on that for many, many weeks. And there are five paragraphs in the church covenant based on a writing by the old Baptist J. Newton Brown in 1832. And in that church covenant, the third paragraph deals with pledges. I pledge, therefore. These are commitments that we as members of Tabernacle Baptist Church made to one another and to God. And that third paragraph deals with pledges or commitments that we made that relate to our Christian living responsibilities. In other words, I'm telling you as members of Tabernacle Baptist Church, this is what I endeavor to do in my life. We also engage. That's what it says. We also engage to walk circumspectly in the world. To be careful about how we walk. To not just do whatever we want to do because it feels good. But we represent Tabernacle Baptist Church and we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. We engage to walk circumspectly in the world. And how about this? To be just. To be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment or our conduct. Now, the expectation is not that you would be perfect. If, it's, if the expectation is that we would be perfect, then I'm disqualified from being a member because I am not perfect. It is that we strive and we commit, we've committed to that. I engage to be just in my dealings. What does that mean? I said I would be semper justicia. Always just. We're not going to always be just. We're going to fail. 
But as we talked about last week, if you don't at least have a target, you have nothing to aim for. That's why we have goals in 2024, not resolutions, but goals. I want to be just in my dealings in 2024. I want my slate to be clean. I don't want the members of Tabernacle Baptist Church to find out that I've been embezzling money or cheating or doing that which is improper and, un, and, and, and unjust in my dealings. I don't want anybody to find out that, you know what, I gave a deal to this defendant because I knew this person and the same situation applied to this defendant and I wasn't fair to them. God help me. I'm using my secular job as an example. How about your secular job? How about your dealings? Always just. Semper justicia. We ought to be motivated. In 2024, as a church, to be always just. To treat people justly and equitably. And if that be the case, then we must as individuals be always just. We considered three motivations to help us get there. Semper justicia is exemplified by God Almighty. He is always just. All he does is just. It is expected in governmental authority. We're going to vote for a president this year. May God help you choose one who is just. And it is to be exercised in going about our daily affairs. We're to be people that are characterized as always just. Are you? Do you want to be? 2024. It doesn't rhyme. I get that. 2024. Tabernacle Baptist Church. Semper Justicia. Always just. Let's pray.